welcome to another episode of the Venegan Podcast. I've got Maria over here across from me. Hello! And I am Glenn, and today we picked something interesting to talk about. I think some of you may have seen a lot of the, quote, old MASH television show, uh, and some of you may have never seen it before, but that's okay. Just before we got started, you know, I've, full disclosure, MASH started in fall of 1972, which is when I was born. So I did not see it when it started, you know, when it originally aired, but there was enough reruns on TV that I watched a bunch of it and actually was there for the finale, which we'll get to. But I assumed that not a lot of people have been watching it lately, some of these younger whippersnappers around, but I've just learned very happily that not only is Guada watching it, but Marie has watched it too. Yep. So I, I love old movies and old TV shows. I watched TV land so much as a child, um, but currently uh, have gone back and my husband actually found like a DVD set like of all of the MASH DVDs at a thrift store. So we have been going through all of them starting at the beginning and then going to, well, we, I think we're in season nine and we're trying to watch it all the way through in order. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it is a good TV show. It is. But it has a lot of complexities when you start looking at how it was made, how the cast changed, how the writers changed, and how audiences perceived it over its 11-year run. Because guess what? It's set during the Korean War. But is it about the Korean War? Yes no. and no. <laughs> right. So, yeah, Marie, tell them, talk about how it started off with a movie. Yes. But then... Well, actually, eventually. it starts with a book. Yes, yes, true. Yes, yes so... Well, actually, it starts with the actual Korean War. Yes. But <laughs> so we have the actual Korean War. I'm sorry. Police action. Yes. It's not a war. Never declared war. Police action. And we have this man who had just gotten through medical school, Dr. Hornsberger, and he gets drafted. And he is a surgeon at the 8055th MASH unit in Korea. And he then... Goes back to Maine to set up his practice. He's originally from New England. Uh, so he goes back there. And he then kind of decides to write a memoir about his time in the Korean army. And he puts it aside for a little while. And then he, like, meets another guy who's a war correspondent. Heinz, Heinz I think his name mm -hmm. is. And Heinz kind of helps refine this manuscript, which is... The manuscript itself is very episodic. There's not a whole lot of large themes or well, it's a, a memoir, narrative. Right? This yes. happened to me one day, and then this happened to me the next day. And yeah, it's almost like more of a journal than a story, if you will. I have not actually read the book, but that is what it seems to be. The what the reviews are, and that book then gets picked up and turned into a movie. And the movie has some similarities to the TV show. But it comes first, right. right? So the TV show is kind of based off this movie because this movie was so popular. But the movie is also kind of episodic and it's very like slapstick. It's about these antics that these doctors right. get into. I mean, into. it's a movie of antics is what it is. Yes. Yeah. And it's it's rather funny and it has a lot of the same characters that you see at the beginning of the MASH TV show. Right. And the only... The only major character to use the same actor between the movie and the, the TV show is Radar, is, is the, uh, the character of Radar. Uh, so the movie has some success, but it's not overwhelming. And then someone decides to pick it up and put it on television with, a, with again, a generally a new cast and things. And it starts playing. And as 
we had mentioned this before, you know, skipping ahead a bit, when you watch ep- season one and then you go pick an episode out from season 10, they are very, very different, right? They are yes. very different. Not just are the cast, some of the cast members different, but the tone, the production quality, the pacing, everything is very different, which goes to show how the, the show evolves over time. So the television show is really what we're focused on, trying to focus on today. And it is about a, a mass unit, a mobile army surgical hospital during the Korean War. They had mass units in World War II, but they really became a different thing in the Korean War because, and this is how technology changes things, because of the advent of helicopters. The idea that was able to be implemented in Korea that hadn't happened before is that severely wounded soldiers could be airlifted from very close to the battlefield immediately to an an operating area. A, and it is not a hospital. It is a mobile army surgical hospital. They basically bring the soldiers in, repair the major damage, get them stabilized, and then send them back to a more established permanent facility. But these mobile units could, they could, you know, they're set up to move around and follow the front line wherever it goes. And they move fairly frequently in real life. In real life, yes. In the TV show, they move like, Maybe three times and, in like ten years, and two of those were in the last episode. <laughs> yes, so they really they don't move around as much as real mash units did. I think you know when they have Sherman Potter. Uh, we got we have another Sherman in this episode. I know, um, <laughs> but he's a good guy. Yes, <laughs> but he's like the M stands for mobile, so we're gonna move. Is you know when he decides to right. have them move around. When I was looking up, like, how frequently would a mass unit move? Almost every month uh, yeah. is how they would move. It, it was fairly frequently. And some of the things that the mass unit portrays very well, I think, from what it seems to be, like, what actual accounts are, is that it's, quote-unquote, meatball surgery. That Hawkeye refers to that all the time. Is, mm-hmm. You know, I thought I was, you know, this, like, great surgeon, and now we're just doing, we're just patching them up. Making them and to move them on, yeah. To make them stable to move on, because the mass units were all about this quote unquote golden hour. Is that you have one hour after trauma is inflicted to basically stabilize the patient to where they will survive, and to do that you need helicopters in Korea specifically mm-hmm. because they tried to use some roads, but the roads were not fantastic. They tried to use some trains, but that you are very limited to where right. the railroad That's is. Only where the railroads are, and also you have an incredibly rocky terrain of Korea. And therefore, helicopters, or choppers, as they are generally referred to in, in and as, at the TV show, is the best way to move people in that crucial hour from battlefield zones to the mash units. But of course, the mash units are always at least an hour from the front lines. So they have to keep moving with the lines. Right, wherever the lines are. And, and you know, that's the thing. And they have to be, even though they're only doing the most basic medical care for the trauma that's been inflicted, they're still an army unit. They still have to have not only the surgeons and the nurses, but they also have to have all the support personnel and things like that too, which is what allows them for the TV show to bring in all these different disparate characters. In the first few seasons, they definitely want to carry on that not terribly serious feeling of hijinks and antics that was in that, that's in the movie, right? So, you know, the, the commanding officer, Blake, is is this weird guy who womanizes and he always wants to go fishing and Trapper, uh, who's Hawkeye's best friend, is this also a womanizer? And then you've got Major Byrne, who's another surgeon. He's just a buffoon. He is 
just simply a target for uh, Hawkeye and and Trapper's hijinks and antics, right? And he's he's incredibly unlikable. There are no redeeming qualities about Frank Burns. There are few redeeming qualities about Henry Blake, in my personal opinion of watching this show. But as time goes on, they realize the audience is getting tired of, of this slapstick, hijinks, antic-based plot. And so they start bringing in some more complex characters and they start addressing some more philosophical issues. Because remember, when this thing aired in 1972, the Vietnam War was still going on and was still very, very, re- very recent in, in terms of you know 68 and 69 and things like that. And even when you move past that 1975, quote, end of the Vietnam War, there is still a lot that America is trying to, to wrestle with and try to, to figure out. And as a result, MASH also changes its approach to uh, an examination of warfare and wounds and, and draftees and all these things and, and American armies being in a foreign land, how it wrestles with that. And that's why I said at the beginning that it's set in Korea but by the time you get to the middle of the television show, this television show is about the Vietnam War. Period. And a lot of times people think that it is set in the Vietnam War when it's it's not set there. It's set in Korea. Right. But it's definitely about... Well, so many people, not our esteemed listeners, but so many other of those people out there may not even know the difference between the Korean War and the Vietnam War. But... You know, and, and Alan Alda's figure, Hawkeye, turns from this goofy, antic-ridden guy to he becomes much more maudlin. He's, oh, the war and everything, and this is terrible, and I can't believe that this is happening. And so when they bring these new characters in, they need to have someone to recreate that. So they bring in Sherman Potter, who's like this respectable, and this is, I think, the best thing. There are two great th- changes they made. Sherman Potter comes in, who is a hard-nosed army regular, but he presents a respectable figure of authority in a world where authority is melting away. Its legitimacy is melting away. So I think Sherman Potter in the show, and he struggles with things, but Sherman Potter always remains that respectable authority clear up until the very last appearance in in the last episode. So I love Sherman Potter. And then they also, they get rid of Trapper because he's getting his own TV show. Uh, the actor is, and they need to bring someone else in. So they still need to have a buddy for Hawkeye. But instead of a womanizer, they get someone who's very faithful to his wife at home because the, the protagonists have to be good guys. But they also bring in, you know, to be perfectly honest, my favorite character in the entire show, Charles Winchester III, who is a pompous, arrogant man who doesn't think he belongs there because he's rich and is better than everyone. But there's two reasons I like him. First of all, that's how he comes in. Over the course of the show, you realize that he is a remarkably caring and human figure. He just hates to show it. And it makes the interaction of the characters so much better. Rather than just being a a buffoon and a butt of the jokes of of Hawkeye and BJ, the, the new surgeon, he gives as good as he gets. He becomes a true foil for their intellect, for their humor, and things like that. And the show, I think, from that middle part, or from about a third of the way through, that's when it becomes super popular. That's when audiences really start coming to watch MASH because it's it's addressing those issues that are meaningful to American society, and they refine the characters and the direction of the narrative and the plot to something that is just better. It's just so much of a better show. When I go, I mean, like, I've got a DVD set too, 
And when I'm just wanting to watch a mash and just put something in, I rarely go to the blank and burns days. I really don't. So when we started out watching it, it was like, okay, like what's the big deal? This is no, no. Yeah, actually, yeah. I I always liked it because yeah. remember when I was really young, I was just watching it on TV. Like, right. So I didn't I didn't get to choose which one I watched. Right. Back in the old days, <laughs> it, where what you was didn't on get is to, what was exactly. On. <laughs> I I feel like you know before the streaming. Uh, <laughs> So I just I just got what I got, and it you know it was a medley of different ones. Right. So I I was aware that there were different characters and and whatnot, but then actually sitting down and watching them in order, it's so interesting to watch this arc, to watch this change because I think really when Henry Blake goes and leaves the show, I think the moment. And I'm sorry, this this might be a spoiler. Oh, yeah, spoiler alert, spoiler everyone. Spoiler alert, in case you haven't watched it in the past, like, 20 years. In case you haven't watched this 50-year-old show. <laughs> Henry Blake ends up dying on his way back to the United States. His, his plane gets shot down. And I think when Radar walks into that operating room and announces Henry Blake, plane got shot down and there are no survivors, I think that moment, which the cast didn't know about, they... It, the only one who knew about that scene was Radar. So the, the reactions that you see there are, are unscripted, which I just think is an interesting show note. And I think at that moment, that is when the show turns from being this slapstick, antics-driven show to something that is war is real, war kills people that we care about, and this is, this is something that we have to grapple with and have to deal with. And it makes it everything far more real and trying to like hit home more. And then, of course, you have the introduction of Sherman Potter coming and bring in kind of more of that army discipline that had been lacking, according to, you know, Houlihan and Burns the entire time. But I think that's when it really changes. And it was something that was really interesting that I found out when I was researching this is the original writer of the book, which the movie was based off of, Hornsberger, who... Apparently, he didn't like his name Hornsberger. He didn't think that was, like, cool enough to write a book. So his his pen name was Richard Hooker. So Richard Hooker, who wrote the novel, did not like the changes no. at all. He basically said, like, they had, like, squandered on his memories and ruined his creative work because of that change of tone. Because, like, what he wrote was very much what the movie and the first seasons looked like. And also I think it's really interesting because he based the character of Hawkeye on himself, you know, Mm -hmm. a doctor from Maine, drafty. And I think he kind of thought of himself as that, you know, immaculate surgeon because he also was one who was like thought he was so good and like broke the rules and, you know, did like these experimental surgeries instead of just doing meatball surgeries because he thought, you know, well, I want to do the aortic surgery because that way we can actually save the limbs versus just amputating even though the army said not to, but then it was like, but my, you know, should should I follow what the army says or should I follow my Hippocratic oath that I took to be a good doctor? So there there, there were things like that, which I think were still interesting to grapple with, but it was far different than the ideas of is war. So social and political commentary on a vast scale. Yes. Yeah. And he did not like the direction that the show went after that. And in his obituary, because he died... Actually, I think he died in 97. So, I mean, he got to see, he saw the entire show and what everything happened. But his son basically wrote, like, my father was a political conservative and did not appreciate the tones and commentary that the show produced in some of the later seasons. 
Yeah, and you know, and that was always as I got older and was was able to pick up on that more. I think that is that is one of the few failings of the show is that it was very one-sided politically. It only focused in on those ideas of war is horrible all the time and, you know, things like that. And it ne- anyone who anyone in the show who was a patriotic American who believed in American ideals was presented Frank as Burns. Frank Burns or Captain Flag. Have you gotten a Captain Flag oh, yet? Oh, is that the intelligence officer yes. who is like the weirdest man you've yes. ever met? Yes. Yes, but, you know, anyone who's, who's conservative or believes in American ideals in any meaningful way, any conservative way, I should say, is a buffoon. They they are given no, you know, basis of reality or or anything. And that's the only unfortunate part of the show is the only time it comes through a little bit, again, is that is that Sherman Potter. Later on, I was Sherman about to Potter, say, because Sherman Potter is still very much like he, but he's, a red, white, and blue American, but he never actually espouses... Perhaps more. He's not. He's not left or right. No, he's, he's just, just a he's just true an center. American. Yes, and I and that's and that's why Hawkeye and BJ appreciate him so much. And and when he makes a call, even though they may not like it, they go along with it. But but the show, you know, became very political. And 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 Alan Alda and those folks, Alan Alda became the star of the show because because he's the lead. And and, and also he stayed the entire time. He stayed the entire time, and that gave him. A lot of oomph when it came, you know, eventually he became one of the producers of the show and he could set that direction. And some people have said that that is what made Radar leave because O'Reilly and Alda just started butting heads so much. Not not over anything political, but just, you know, I want this line or I want to be written this way. And no, you can't because I'm now I'm the producer and you're not. And so, so Radar leaves. And then Klinger takes over, and Klinger's a very interesting character. But it's you know it's always it struck me that Klinger was always wearing women's clothes, trying to get a section eight, and try to get kicked out of the army because he was quote crazy. Potter never fell for it. But as soon as Radar left and Klinger was put in that position of authority, he talked about having dresses, but he rarely ever dressed crazy again. It's like that they just decided that character is now a a serious businessy, I'm going to get stuff done person. And it was interesting. You know, Klinger's one of the interesting people. He's very funny. But just, you know, and I think, I mean, we could sit here for hours and talk about how much we love the show and the the favorite episodes. But as as folks are wont to do, we probably need to skip to the end, to to that last episode. So, you know, and by the time that episode airs 11 years after the show came on the air. Which I think is just interesting to note. The show lasted so much longer than the actual Korean conflict by like threefold. Oh yeah, no. Let's see. Uh, yeah, three and a half, three and a half times longer than the actual Korean War. And that last episode, people, it was it was a very popular TV show. It was number one for a long time. And that last episode, when the new match was going to end, was the most watched television show in history, 1983. Until 2010, when it was like some stupid Super Bowl thing or something like that. But still, but, I was reading about that. And if you do it by population, though, it's still MASH still had far more of the population watching. It, yeah, as, as, as a per capita function, it's still the most watched show in history. It's it's even not per capita. It's still the most watched scripted show mm-hmm. in television history. And 
And it does. If, if you have watched it long enough to get invested in those characters, and, and we have, the folks who have watched it, I cry at that stupid episode. I, w- I was there. I was there because mom loved that show. And we would say, you know, again, I didn't see the early ones because I had just been born. But by 1983, I'm aware enough to know that mom likes this. And it's got some, and it's an army show, right? It's an army show, so I could watch that with mom. And uh, and we were there. We watched it that that last night when it was on. And mom was bawling. And I wasn't quite old enough to get everything. But now when I go back and I watch that episode, it's waterworks, man. It's it's so good, especially the Winchester stuff. Oh, oh Winchester, you're so good. I think that having him was just, it makes it so much better, just in a way that Frank Burns just could never. I think the Frank Burns character was fun for a little bit, though, just because it's... Right, but there's no but way we could have put up with him for, for 11, 11 seasons. seasons oh there gosh. is no way that that could have gone <laughs> anywhere, unless he had an amazing character arc and became an amazing person, yeah, which, yeah. which was That's not. That's not who he was. No, so. <laughs> That's not who he was. But uh, yes, the Winchester, it also adds like a level of like respectability. Right. And this idea of who was grafted and who was part of this conflict. Right, and and you know, and two, you know, we've been talking about all the male characters, but but the show had, of course, you know, Major Houlihan, Hot Lips, another one that stayed through the entire time, right, right, which also gives her a her and Hawkeye, which is their relationship now, throughout the entire thing is interesting. There was one other nurse that was there the entire show. You know who that is? Oh, is it the? It's Nurse Kelly. Oh. The the she's of Hawaiian descent. Now. She wasn't a main. She she was in the pilot episode as one of the background nurses, and she was a background nurse for the first few seasons. But then she eventually became not a lead character, but she became a recurring character all the way up to the end. Um, She's actually, I think, in the the theme song in, in the title. Like in the she she eventually got her name in the credits. Yes, well, she's as, in the title sequence. I was just saying, like as a background oh, character, yeah, yeah, like yeah. the entire time. Right. So yeah. So so Nurse Kelly was there, and I I, I love Nurse Kelly, but I love the way. It's interesting because, you know, when you have a, a nurse for a wife, you, you start asking questions, well, is, is it that way and this way? And she wouldn't be like, no. But then I started looking. And the nurse, in, in a situation like a mash had, clinically speaking, in the operating room, because, you know, the, the surgeon would be like, I'm doing my work, I'm doing my work. Okay, Nurse Kelly, close him up. Stateside, regular operating procedure, nurses don't close people up, right? That's still the surgeon's job. But they're short-staffed and they're having to move fast. So these nurses that were in overseas in these medical units were doing procedures and doing work far above uh, what their initial training was and what was expected of them. And so that's one of the things I, I do like about this show is that it really gives those women, it gives those nurses, even, even though you don't see a lot of them as main characters, it gives them this really important role to play in the way the entire unit operates. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that was the, that's, that's what makes Priscilla cry in that, in that last episode is when, when Houlihan's talking to her nursing staff and talking about, these, you know, you're the best group of women that there ever has been or ever will be. Because Pris has lived, you know, through, not through that, but, but she's seen groups come together and then have to split up like that. And, it's, it's de- and I think that is the... That's the core of what that show is. We become, it has such a good run. It's so well-written. Those characters means, every character means something to everyone. 
regardless of what your favorite or favorites are. But you know that when it gets to the end, that's it. You're never going to see them again. And you're feeling that way with the characters. You're feeling that way with yourself. You're feeling that way with the actors. And, and MASH is something that I don't think, it certainly hasn't been replicated since. The closest may be Friends. But Friends was great fun, but it wasn't exactly this social commentary and complex characters. It's fun to watch, don't get me wrong, but it, but it's no MASH. MASH is something that's unique in American television history. I'm trying to think if there was anything else that had as long of a run or as much of a an impact. I mean, shows have been on longer. Oh, yes. Right? The Gunsmokes, Simpsons, but, but none of them had that last episode. Not, and, and the things leading, I mean, the last episode would never have worked if it hadn't been all this stuff before it, right? A lot of times I think TV shows kind of, uh, they just ruin it with their last season. They just don't know how to end it. They don't know what they're going to do. I'm sure we all have several I, several that pop to our heads. Game of Thrones! <laughs> and they just, and it makes almost people hate it where they had loved it. Right. But MASH doesn't do that. It doesn't they, do that. Very poignantly, I think, planned how that last one was going to go and how really they were going to say goodbye to each other and how they were going to say goodbye to the American public. And they thought about both of those things when putting that one together. And and they did it. And they did it. So, folks, if you have watched MASH before, hopefully this has struck a lot of memories and a lot of emotions for you. If you haven't watched MASH but you're still here all the way to the end of this episode, Hopefully you'll go check it out. There, I think there are a few episodes even on YouTube if you just want to get a little little piece of it. And I think a lot of the streaming services have them now too. Uh, or you might be as lucky as Marie and find the entire series on DVD and you can just watch it anytime. That's all the time we have, folks. Thanks for tuning in. We hope to see you again on Then Again. In the meantime, stay safe and take care. Bye. Then Again is a production of the Cottrell Digital Studio at the Northeast Georgia History Center. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. It really helps other people discover the show. There are a few great ways to support the History Center. Make a donation online by clicking the Donate button on our website at www.negahc.org. Become a digital member to receive exclusive invites to members-only live streams every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern. And you can register on our membership page at www.negahc.org. We also have an online gift shop with lots of great items for all ages. Use promo code THENAGAIN for 15% off your online order. Valid on anything except memberships and handmade items. We'll see you next week for another episode of Then Again. Thanks, y'all.